embracing change is the understanding that life is filled with nothing but changes and often, very often, they're very positive changes. I think often when we pursue change, as soon as something doesn't go as we planned or it looks like it's going in the wrong direction, we give up. But we are not perfect and our pursuit for change is going to be imperfect as well. So it's super important right. to be able to mess up and to recognize its value actually. There's really only two paradigms within which we can live, right? Change or settling. You can see how from one step in the right direction, one step into change, if you're curious and you're watching for all the signs, you're going to see all these other things that come together from it. Welcome to the Spiritually Hungry Podcast, episode 20. Yay! <laughs> Why that feels like a bigger deal than 19, I'm not sure. Um, so we are going to talk about one of my favorite topics today, and that is change. And um, our goal, or at least my goal, I'm not sure I can't speak for you, but my goal is that at the end of hearing this podcast, you will not waste your life <laughs> and jump on the change express, immediate and urgent need for change. No matter the goal, the dream, or the healing that we have a need for, right? Because everybody has desires and wish lists. The path to get there might require many things, but there's only one thing for certain that it does require, and that is change. The need for change, the desire for change, and most importantly, the seeking and running after change. And I like talking about this a lot, so I've given it much thought. In fact, my next book is called Change Junkie. And this word is one that I think strikes fear in most of us when we hear it. It's something we crave, something we desire. We usually seek it externally, whether we um, say, I'm gonna move to a different state, or I'm gonna change my neighborhood, or maybe I'll dye my hair purple, which I did once. But that kind of change is just going to be a band-aid of sorts, because real change requires continuous effort, thought, and really being able to see every challenge as, a, as an opportunity for growth and transformation. But the thing is, is that when we think about change, right, our first relationship with change, it's usually connected to some kind of painful memory or something that was forced upon us or thrust upon us that we didn't actually desire. So when we think of change that way, of course, it actually does sound quite undesirable. Right. And I think that's an important point because you said when people think about change, it scares them because we often just attach that word to what happens to us that we don't want, right? To a negative experience. But reality is we all change, right? We were also, all, all of us and most of us at one point wore diapers and most of us right, are no longer wearing diapers. Some so, might again. <laughs> well, some might again, you never know. But uh, but we like that change, right? So we don't necessarily attach that. And, you know, some of us never went to school and then suddenly we were in kindergarten or wherever that was. So... What? And, so we never went to school and suddenly we were in kindergarten? Yes, when you were one year old. I don't think... <laughs> were you in school at one year old? I wasn't in school oh, yet. Is it the child prodigy of made it into pre-K early? Um, but that's the point. The point is, and this is something that I think it's really important to to know, right? This is not this isn't a spiritual belief. This isn't even a a belief, right? The reality is that we're all changing all the time. In every moment of and, every day. And very often it's very positive change. I'm happy I'm not wearing diapers. I'm happy I went to first grade. I'm happy that I moved from, you know, my old, where, where I grew up and so on and so forth. I think for whatever reason, I think our mind, and this is another 
quirk probably of the human mind, when you think about change, and many people will say, oh my God, I remember that time that I got fired, right? Or, or the time my parents got divorced exactly. and I was forced to live into different homes. And I think part of embracing change is the understanding that life is filled with nothing but changes. And often, very often, they're very positive changes. That's the thing. We often credit our worst memories with change, but we we tend not to realize that our greatest memories actually were also because of change. Absolutely. Change was along for that ride as well. Right, right. And I, I think if you look throughout your lives, all of us have had amazing positive, happy changes, right? None of us will say like, I remember the time five years ago that nothing happened, right? No, right. So I remember five, five years ago when we had an amazing, you know, dinner or we had, you know, I got, I got my next promotion, right? I mean, I think the things that we look back at life and are excited about are change. And they're positive change, often change that we pursued, but that's the one real constant in life. And I think that the message though is, so first is change is a constant. And the beauty here, though, is you get to decide and direct which way the change is going to happen. Are you going to grow and move forward or are you going to go backwards? There's a lot of people change in, in the wrong kind of direction. How, right? how it's going to happen and mo maybe even more importantly, how you're going to react. Exactly. To and then even change that is thrust upon you, then you still have a choice in that. You get to choose your response to it. And if you view change that way and you embrace it that way, it's quite liberating and freeing. It is actually the most freeing thing you can do. And that's how I became a change junkie because you remember, when, I mean, when we, maybe you don't, cause you don't remember details like this, but when we first got married, I'm a Virgo and you know- oh, I didn't know that. That much you knew, but, um, and you married me in spite of it. Um, but I remember that, I mean, I knew once we were married, my life style would change in many ways. My life would change in many ways, but, the idea that we would travel so frequently, like at, at a moment's notice, right? Like next week we're gonna go here, or in two days we're gonna go there, we're gonna go to Israel like in, in you know a day or whatever. And leaving a suitcase kind of at the front door at all times was really uncomfortable for me at that time at the beginning. I was like, look, you know, sure, but let's plan it or let's have some time to prepare even mentally. And I wasn't happy in that state of being. I wasn't happy living in such a rigid, controlled kind of way. Um, it's funny. I mean, I, we were we were laughing about this the other day, right? There are people we know who have to. Have, I mean, used to be probably to some, and you still are to some extent in positive ways, right? People have to have the complete hourly plan. Okay, today at nine o'clock I'm doing this, and eight o'clock I'm doing this, and at twelve o'clock I'm doing this. At one p.m. I feed with the kid, you know, and so on and so forth, because we think that we can control everything that happens. And there are people who really, for me, for personally, it was never important to me for everything to be organized and and on time. But but the reality. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I embrace that, but the, the, the because the problem is that when we think that we control or even can control, or that I would say go further, that we should control every part of our lives, then change becomes scary, change becomes uncomfortable. And then you risk everything just to protect what it is that you've cultivated and collected throughout your life. And I don't honestly think that leaves a lot of room for joy for sure. or curiosity or surprise. And, and and one of the things that winds up happening is that you're often fighting reality, which you'll never win it's against. What, you know, and that's the thing. That's what I was doing. Exactly. And I, you know, and some days I'd win and other days when, when I wouldn't, oh, those were really difficult, unhappy days. And even when you did win, probably not days filled with as much it wasn't joy fulfilling. as yeah. the that you can't, that you should and can have. Right. And so then I started to change my approach to life. And of course, I think that having Josh really um, made me go all the way with this. I mean, there were hints of it 
in my life for sure because being a very type A person and very controlling and being very miserable with that aspect of my life and that part of who I was. Um, and, you know, and again, there, that could still, you can change it if you're not so attached to it and it could still be a positive, right? Like I still do love a daily planner. I love a pencil with an eraser. I do have my workouts, you know, scheduled you every still day. still use, even though most of us are on our uh, <laughs> eye calendars, you're still using like your paper planner. And, yes. I get a real satisfaction in writing. At some writing. point, you know, they're going to stop making that. No, eraser. then I will make one myself. <laughs> <laughs> I like writing what I've done. Actually, there's something that happens psychologically where you get um, that reward uh, feeling like uh, I forgot what it's called, but you actually something happens inside of you. Like you feel like you really accomplished something. It works. Yeah, I remember me. the one time that I was I haven't been able to do this since when I got my inbox down to zero or close to zero. I wasn't really zero. Yeah, I've done yeah, that once in my not life. Not quite the same, but close. <laughs> I heard that there's actually a uh, a message that comes up on your emails when you get your inbox down to zero. I've never seen. Uh, I've never seen. I don't think I'm ever going to see that. Um, <laughs> life goals. But anyway, so my point is that there are things that in a healthy way, that structure uh, works for me. But by the way, if something came up in the morning and I had to move my workout to the evening and I would roll with it, right? Then you just start to approach life with a flexibility, with an openness that makes you not fight the universe, but you're actually one with it in every single situation, whether it was planned, forced, welcomed or not. You just, it becomes this thing that kind of just propels you forward for growth and happiness. So- we are going to talk about a lot of different tips and tools. Um, there's two questions that I get asked a lot regarding change that I'll share a little bit later. But um, there is a very apt saying that says, change occurs when the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of changing. And I just want to break that but down by a little way, That's bit. not always the case, right? I mean, I think one of the messages that I'd like our listeners to, to receive is that because life is about change, that really what you want to become is something like you said, a change junkie, whoever, however each person wants to call it for junkie, themselves. Junkie, junkie. <laughs> that you you become somebody who is pursuing, embracing change, right? So Yes, but I want to go back to where our, probably most of our listeners are. Like, of course, this wouldn't be a new idea to you, even if you don't call yourself a change junkie, because you have you have chosen this kind of life, right? That is about transformation and growth. And so you are really open to the curveballs and where life takes you and you see the gift in those. But think about for a lot of people, and even if we, you know, different people come to us for advice, even family members, et cetera, who feel very stuck, right? And they are craving change and they just don't know how to start or where to get out of it. Often, or they might not have enough willpower or impetus to change. I think those are the cases. Those are the saddest cases. Right. right? So I, But that's a lot of the conversations I have very often, right? So I, I always like to take it to... I guess to where every stage where everybody could be, because there's no shame in that. You just start somewhere. So even if you find yourself like, I've never seen people around me change. The role models that I had in my life were very stuck. You know, you have one job for the rest of your life. It's better than not having a job at all. You know, just kind of settle. You're in a relationship. It's not great, but at least you're not alone. You know, th these kinds of belief systems that a lot of people walk around with. You said that because I think that's really, there's really only two paradigms within which we can live, right? Change or settling. Yes. Because you will not achieve really the, the things that will make you the happiest or the situations and places that will make you the happiest if you're settling and not changing. So really, yes. I think because I think some people might have the perception, well, I can change or just stay the same and great, right? That's, those aren't options. The only two options are change in a positive way. Hopefully, most of our changes can be proactive and not reactive and, and things that we can embrace because we choose them. Uh, but the other option 
is not staying the same and great, but rather settling. Absolutely. Because by the way, if you, let's say you're in a relationship and you just can tolerate it right now, it's just bearable, right? I can promise you in 15, 20 years, it will be unbearable. And that's why sometimes we see people get you know, they get divorced in their 70s or 80s. And you're like, well, why? There's that joke, right? Yeah, it's not a joke. It's a true story, which is one of my favorite stories. <laughs> I think I might have told one of the previous podcasts, but it's certainly worth repeating. We, had, we have a friend, a friend who's since passed, but uh, he was telling us a story that his parents got, they, they were unhappily married for many, many years. And I think in their 70s or so. After 80s, even. It was like some shocking. After 50 yeah. or 60 years of marriage, they got divorced. And he asked his dad, why are you getting divorced? He says, I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> like his, his, his level of unhappiness was okay for 59 years and 364 days. But then when it came to year 60, that was, that was enough for Exactly. Him. Because he was probably, to some extent, settling, settling for 60 years. And, and then when you do that, um, you always sacrifice more than you thought you would. Because what, what are you sacrificing? Uh, opportunity, um, again, like I said, just the ability to wake up and see the world in a different way and to everything that happens to you is, is a beautiful thing, right? It's, just, it's, this, it's an energy that's constantly flowing, constantly moving. And when you stop that process from happening by settling or just accepting less than, you actually, I think, stop and hinder your growth. I think that as humans, we tend to think that a lot of growth happens from birth until let's say you're a young adult, maybe I, probably mid 20s, 30s. Yeah. So whatever that time is. Right. And then, and then that's it. But actually, if you think about it, we are meant to grow and change and develop in every area of our lives until we die. Right. But it, but we stop it unless you consciously challenge yourself and really think about what we're saying today. You stop it usually around age 30, right. 35. Or at least you think you're going to stop again, as we said, because changes are going to start happening. You're not going to be happy about them. You'll be unfortunately, a person has the possibility of living life being unhappy with all the changes that are being thrust upon them in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and so on. And very often, the people are like, I don't know what happened. How did I get here? Right? right. How, how did I get here? And they didn't even know because they weren't really paying attention to those changes that are happening automatically every day. And I think, and therefore, I think the first message really is the fact that first change is happening. You don't have a choice. You can, you can, you know, delude yourself and think, yeah, you can I, can, I can, I can coast from, you know, after I've changed enough, I found my career, I found my family, and so on. No, change is happening. And, and one of the things that, you know, I often like to, when the Kabbalists speak about the necessity of change, there's two things that I, often I share is that, you know, the word in Hebrew for spirituality is Wuhaniut, or it relates to the spirit or the wind. And that really is like life. If you look in nature, right, there is nothing in nature that remains inanimate. It remains the same. Trees grow, leaves fall off. Everything in our, in the natural world as well, is always changing. Mm-hmm. And certainly in the spiritual world. And that's where that word of spirit or wind is used, because that's what we're meant to be. We're meant to be an ever-evolving being. And that includes change and growth. It's so funny you say that, because when I was thinking about what I want to talk about today, I was looking out the window, this is yesterday, and and it was really windy. And this tree right outside the window was blowing, and the leaves were different colors, and it was, the leaves were falling. And I felt so overwhelmed, um, by nature, right? And I thought about it that why why does nature move us? Like if we look outside or when we're in nature, suddenly we feel a little bit more spiritual or more connected to something higher. And I realize it's because if you if you were just to stare out, if you were in nature, you would see so many changes within that day. You know, the sun hitting the the mountain, then moving, then the moon coming, the animals that come and go, 
you know, just the constant change, constant change every single second of the day. And of course you're going to feel more connected to something greater. And it was really inspiring. So as I was thinking, I was like, well, that makes so much sense of why people enjoy this or why I do, because it re it's reminding me first that um, I need to be moving in that way, right? And that I'm really small in the vastness of the yes. world. It's one of my favorite songs, right? Uh, Cat Stevens, The Wind, right? The Wind yeah. of My Soul. Uh, you want me to sing? I'm not sure, sure. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no. <laughs> Come on. Almost, maybe another time. Okay. Um, and that's the point. The point is, we look at nature, it should be uh, learning for us. That's the way I'm supposed to be living my life. That's the first. And, and the second is that, you know, we can get to a place where, where we enjoy change. Mm -hmm. Right, I think I think that's the point. If you keep, if a person does not, so, you know, there's there's a book out, and I know we've been we both really enjoyed, it, and I do recommend it. And I think I mentioned in one of the previous podcasts, but 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 by Bruce uh, Feiler. Yes, right? it's really fun. an amazing it's an it's an amazing book. Um, and he speaks about he he actually brings the story. I think about 235 people he interviewed over a number of years who've gone through. Yes, life he changes. did amazing research and uh, and at, at different stages of their life. Right, and the idea is that. He came, and this now it's scientifically proven, something maybe we did or did not think about previously. He, in his research, he found that there's two types of changes. One are smaller changes. Um, you know, a person gets it, they could be proactive or reactive. A person gets a new job, gets fired from a job, mm -hmm. moves to a new apartment, moves to a new house, loses their things like that. And then there are what he calls, and that, he says that every person in his research, between every 12 to 18 months, there's something relatively significant that changes in each person's life, mm -hmm. which is an amazing understanding, right? So I can tell all of our listeners and anybody who previously thought, no, I can, I can live without change. I can coast for the next, you know, one year, five years, twenty years. Not possible. Every the research, his research showed that every twelve to eighteen months, he calls them, you know, the, these disturb. They can call you call them disturbances that occur in our lives. Again, not huge, what he calls life quakes. But separate from that, so change, significant change is going to happen to every one of our listeners every twelve to eighteen months. Just, are you paying attention to it? I think most are people. You paying, and and how are you? How are you see, experiencing it? They're, if they're not even aware of it, right? They're not experiencing it. They're kind of just ignoring it, and then that's why after seven years, they're like, "How did I get here?" That's one way people are are living with change. Other people are more aware, right? So there's levels, and I think right now is a good time just to everybody to check themselves. Do you notice these occurrences that happen every twelve to eighteen months, right? Or do you wait till they kind of become life quakes, right? And then he says every person, every person goes through three to five life quakes mm -hmm. in their lifetime. And life quakes, again, could be, you know, caused by the death of a loved one, a divorce. I would say it's higher. That's surprising. But that's what he found. Like the huge ones. The huge well, ones. Wait, that... I've already had, let me think, four. Four, <laughs> okay. I'd say. <laughs> Maybe By the way, I'm, I'm sure some people go through I'll, right? I'll run out of the numbers early. <laughs> some people, I'm sure, go through them, and because they are either in denial or fighting reality, you know, certainly not embracing and finding how they can grow and change from it, they might not even. But I think it's. By the way, it's an important. Why, why don't we ask each our listeners right now? Think about the last twelve to eighteen months. Can you what identify was, can you, a disturbance? Right again, it could be something positive, which you got a promotion, or you know, it could be something that occurred to you that you didn't necessarily uh, desire, and. What have been have you experienced a life quake, right? And and the reality is again. And what were your responses to both of those? Most importantly, most yeah. importantly, and again. So I do recommend. By the way, I do recommend. Life is in, in the transitions is the name of the book, and it's based on I think it's William Joyce a quote. Uh, uh, but I'd like to give a little bit of the of the spiritual 
background into why change is so important. For me, this is maybe the most important spiritual understanding around change. There is a um, section in the Talmud that says every baby before he's, he or she is born is taught all the wisdom that they will need for the rest of their lives. Deep wisdom, complete wisdom. And then as we enter into this world, it says that we are hit on the top of our lip and we forget all the wisdom that we received. And then the purpose of life is to regain that wisdom, to regain that knowledge and live life with understanding, mindfulness, and, and wisdom. And the question that they ask, the Kabbalists ask is, well, if you are going to forget it all anyway, what was the purpose of teaching, of gaining all that wisdom? And the answer to that is that the only way we are actually able to take back or reawaken the wisdom that we have received is if we have received it once. So that we are not, we do not come into this world as a blank slate. We come into this world with residue of great wisdom. And if you look at life in that way, which is that I am not... So you are saying every soul, no matter how elevated or lacking they are? Yeah. Every comes with that. So they have, everybody has equal opportunity to... To live their best. To rediscover right, what yeah, they Yeah, all know. the wisdom. Yeah, there is not one person, every single one of our listeners, every single person in this world... Really? Even the lowest souls that have the done lowest souls. Whether, horrible... Whether, well, well I, I, again, I, I think there's certain you know extreme <laughs> examples. Um, maybe they received it or not, but that's secondary. But the point is that when we come into this world, we are implanted with all the wisdom that we will ever need. But we have to earn it. So therefore, when we enter into this world, we forget it. And life's goal is not to learn anything new. And that's why so often in life, and I've mm-hmm. heard this from so many students who say, you know, what I learned resonated. It felt familiar. Like if familiar came that it came from in something inside. And that's really true. How do you know if you've if you're aware, but how do you know if you've come to true wisdom or understanding if it's something that, oh wow, that, that actually feels like it's coming from within me. I really that really resonates mm-hmm. with me. As opposed to, oh, you know, like if I went to learn, I don't know what, you know, jujitsu um, and I did once, but but it's what, I, what I'm learning is not. I, I could never tell you that that resonated within me. It was something that I was <laughs> trying to enjoy st- learning and and doing. But so the point is that each one of us was implanted with that great wisdom, and we come into this world, and the goal is to is to find the ways to relearn that wisdom and live our lives based on that, which actually is indicative of a greater teaching, which I think is both beautiful, inspiring, but so important to understand as it relates to change. There is a, a famous business writer, his name is Jim Collins, and he talks about, there is a book, a very famous book called Good to Great. He also wrote Good to Great for Nonprofits. Very interesting work. He did, again, he did a lot of research. How do you know companies, nonprofits, how do they become you know, not just good, but, but great? And there is a phrase that he uses, and let me see, I wrote it down here. Oh, yeah. He says that, because I think sometimes when you talk about change, the question that people ask, I don't want to, I, I like who I am. I am sure... You like who you are. I, I like, really like who I am, right? Yes, I'm, I'm talking about but, myself, I'm not talking about the listeners, right? No, I. Yeah. Yes, but b- before I, I chose this path, right, and even now, right, I like who I am certainly more than I, I did before. But I'm still trying to identify aspects of myself that don't serve me and that bring me down rather than build me up, exactly. right? And so, and then, and then at the same time, while trying to enhance and grow the characteristics that I have that that I think are good, right? Exactly. And I think this is the point. So, so, so he says again. So Jim Collins says that you have to preserve the core 
while stimulating progress. Right? So let's think about that. Preserving the core mm -hmm. of who you are while stimulating progress, or you can use the word change. So this is the understanding, and I think it's really important to really, for every one of our listeners, to really internalize this concept. Like we said about the wisdom, when we, each one of us came into this world, our, what we call our soul, our essence, is pure, amazing, powerful, and endless. Life's journey is not about becoming something else or something new, but rather reverting to who I actually am, at my core, at my essence, at our soul level. Right, revealing that part of yourself. But what? But what exactly? So it's. I think it's both. Again, it's both. It, it, it removes the heavy lifting, right? Because if I needed, if I believed that that who I am meant to become in this life is something so brand new, I have to discover all kinds of things outside of me. No. The purpose of life is to reveal who I've always been. Now, unfortunately, most of us don't ever complete that revelation, but. It's so important to understand that I'm, I, I am not going. I do not need to go outside of myself and become something new. The entire purpose of life is to to reveal who I, the amazing essence and soul that I have. I just so, I, so and the last thing is, and I hope this isn't too deep or too complicated. There's a concept that's called in in Kabbalistic terms, it's called the klipot or the shells. Every fruit, right? Most fruits, banana, orange. You have to peel the the shell, the the the, the covering, and then you can enjoy the fruit. Most things in in the natural world have a shell, an egg. You have to right, peel the egg in order to enjoy the, 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 the shell before enjoying the egg, and so on and so forth. And that's how we need to view ourselves. As I sit here now, my essence, my soul, my greatness, my power, my wisdom, it's all in there. It's all in there, in my soul. Hopefully, in the past 47 years, I've been able to remove some of the shells, some of the layers to allow my innate, inborn soul to show its greatness. And therefore, the process and progress of life is not, again, going outside and becoming something new, but rather allowing the removal of those shells to actually reveal who I am. And this is the purpose of change. So It's, it's really interesting, because I think that that's why you see such different ways people live, right? Because some approach life where they are trying to peel back the layers, crack the shell, however you want to say it, and others add more layers on, depending on how they're living, right? And and their actions, whether we are busy gossiping or, you know, being there's a list of things, right, we can do to create more and more shells. I remember when I, because I wasn't raised in a spiritual home, um, and when I really started to search for meaning and purpose and answers to life's questions that just didn't make sense to me, when I started to go and seek change and growth for myself, I had to go back to picture myself as a child because that was who I was, right? And when you're when you're speaking, I really I I went back to that in my head because I remember at age seven, eight, I felt very good in my skin, just in my soul. I felt like I was doing actions that were kind, that were purposeful. I felt like I was happy. I felt like I was connecting to all those parts of myself that I actually want to reveal more of. And then I got distracted from ages, let's say 13 until 17. And I put some coverings and I felt unhappy and I felt lack. And then I started to pursue change again, 
or connecting to that part and peeling layers back. So I do think that that is spot on what you just said. And I think that all of our listeners just go back and try to envision yourself at a time where you felt like you were connected to the deepest parts of you. And I think that's a really good place to start when we're really pursuing this. And there was one other thing when you were speaking too, because, um, you know, I've often said that I get a lot of unsolicited feedback. Um, and I've learned Thankfully, to, I, I don't often, I've learned often. to embrace it. It's fine. And it's kind it's kind of interesting now at the, I mean, cause I love studying human behavior. So it's really, it's just interesting for me at this point. But I remember, um, there was one person and, uh, and he was kind of a bully for sure to me. And he went around telling people that I wanted to be so-and-so, like somebody that everybody really admired and respected. And this was the tale for many years, you know, many, many years. Oh, Monica wants to be this person. And I remember one day I, I was just like, no, I don't, I don't wanna be her and I don't wanna be anybody else. I really, my whole life, I've just wanted to be me. I'm just trying to be me, right? And I think it just goes back to exactly what you're saying. Me is that truest, deepest, purest part of myself. Right, and I think, and, and I would really underscore this understanding because I think it's what creates the drive to change. If you under, because if you just go to somebody or even anyone in relations is listening to it and saying, "Oh, what does it mean? I need to change." And more than that, it's the focus of change. I think that what you're saying it's like a perfect prescription because now you know you don't have to look to the left or right or the other person or try to be more like them or learn something new or completely change yourself like a new identity. Right? Actually, everything you want, everything you can ever be, everything you will be is within you. It's just about discovering that. Without change, you can't peel the layers. Correct. That's the point. Yes. The point is whoever now and 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 this takes a lot of deep work. So we what I would recommend to our listeners is really take the time and say, okay, what are the parts of me that I want to change, that I need to change, that I really feel are not part of my essence, and pursue that change. So I th- I think, you know, rather than just saying embrace all change or or push for all change. No, very focused change. Change for the purpose of removing the layers. And hopefully most of us have a sense of who I am in truth, who my, what my soul is, my true essence. And what are the ways within which I behave? What are the places that I am? What are the places that I go that I know are not really... That cover it up. Exactly. Right? Because all of kinds of behavior that we do covers... And, and actively that. and aggressively pursue Immediately. change in those areas. Yes. And it's interesting, as, as an aside, it's, this is slightly related to this, but we had a conversation recently about somebody who was in there, <laughs> like the way you lean in, so somebody who was saying, oh, I'm changing, right? But in that change, they were also creating harm towards other people. Mm-hmm. Often you'll meet people saying, oh, no, I am, I am going to speak my truth now. That's great. You're changing before you didn't speak your truth. Now you did. Yeah, but which parts of yourself are you speaking from? And is it hurting somebody? Right. Nobody can be the casualty of anybody else's behavior. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So if it's... you're taking people down in the pursuit of some great new change or truth that you've discovered, there's something that's not quite balanced about it. And and chances are you're a little bit off the mark. And, can it, and, and ask yourself the question, is that really coming from the best parts of me? Is that really coming from, from my soul? Because... There's all kinds of change, right? A person could be a good person and change to be a terrible person. That's not the change we're talking about. <laughs> and we, unfortunately, I've, I've seen this too. And unfortunately, often in the, the, the pursuit of what they think they need to change because they're unhappy, they actually become a worse person. I've seen that too. So change is going to happen. 
change is necessary to reveal truly who you are, and therefore pursue change, but for the purpose of removing the shells, like we said. And I think, it, it, we're going to say something, but there's one more point that I wanted to add to that. No, go ahead. That, that and this is also a very important understanding. I was going to yeah. say, like, with change, you know, if you, um, if you don't choose how you want something to change you, you will be changed by it, right? So, like, especially if it was something traumatic, and, and I think about way, that's right? what I'm saying. And so, I remember for for both of us when we had Josh, we actually sat down and said, "We know how this can change us as a couple, and it and it could pull us apart, right? Having a child born with a special need or disability, and we actually." actively we sat down we chose how we were going to respond to it in every single way including in terms of our communication as a couple right and how we would raise our other children in this in our home and how they would relate to their brother like we we spoke about everything because we knew right we we had met so many couples who were in the same position as us and we saw how it changed them but not for the best yeah. and we I remember once and maybe we once um, yes the, which one, mm-hmm. we walked into a home and it literally felt dark. It felt like the, their world. It, it felt like death. death. Yeah. It felt like death, and and it, and that that is how they and, handled. And we also, by the way, we went into homes, and it felt like joyful, right? right? I mean, and that's the. And I think you just touch on a very important point, which is, right? We we talked about the disturbances. Every one of us in the next twelve to eight, every twelve to eighteen months goes through a relatively significant change, and then again about three to five times in our lifetimes there are going to be the life quakes, and. One of the things that you touched upon, which I think is so important, is to make a plan. When something significant happens in your life, a life quake, don't just, even if you're relatively spiritually minded and you're trying to embrace it in one way or the other, no, the life quakes take actually mindfulness, purpose, and a plan. So I would strongly recommend we can, we did that and not wish it just to pass, you know. You know or, or even if you don't, even if you, you know, you're you're in the mindset of this in some way this is going to change me for the better. Don't just be more mindful than that. Right. Actually create be strategic. a plan. How do I want this to change me? Uh, I think it's really important. Really important. Um, the other point which which I was going to say as relates to change is the fact that we're talking about again pursuing change. Hopefully now with the right consciousness, which is that I have such great light and purpose and soul, and it's there, I just need to change, and I'm going to hopefully make that list of things and ways within which I can change in order to allow who I am to change. But also, the understanding that we are not in it alone, and that could be scary or not, and that is that, you know, we call it the Creator, call it the universe. We have a change mentor that is following us in life. And the reason behind both the disturbances and the life quakes are to allow us to reveal who we actually are. Now, most people will not choose a life quake. If we were alone in the pursuit of change, most of us probably wouldn't change as much as we need to in life. Thankfully, there is, again, we call it the light of the Creator, you can call it the universe, that conspires in a positive way to help us change. To explain that, because I don't think a lot of people are necessarily as aware or in touch with the feeling of the Creator's hand. In, right. In so I'll give things. you an example. Um, recently, I was driving, 
and uh, and uh, you know what I'm talking about? No, I just okay. I always find it entertaining when you when you share about yourself like, publicly. Has this face. I'm so whenever whenever I'm saying something that she maybe she's not sure she's heard, either she's heard before or she's not sure what I'm about to say. I like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like because surprising you. um, and also it's just it's entertaining for me because I tend to be more of an open book. Like I'm always sharing like this thing that happened yesterday or whatever. And so when you do it, I get a little tickle. From it. Nice. I'm, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to be entertained. Okay. Yes. You know the story though, so you might be disappointed. Anyway. <laughs> I was I was driving and I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't driving that fast anyway. I got pulled over by a policeman, by a state trooper. Well, I, I, yeah, I wanted the story to be a little juicier. I'm sorry. Maybe yes. I'll make things up. I'll, try, I'll make something up. Next time. <laughs> um, and literally, as he's in this, because I try to live my life in this way, and I have, I'm assuming he's dry, pulled me over because I was speeding. I wasn't paying attention, but I don't know why he's pulling me over. So he comes to the window, and the, before he comes to the window, I have like my first thought, thinking most of us, I was both in a rush to get somewhere, and oh my god, I'm not gonna have to deal no, with this cop, this. And I, what, I don't know, whatever. But the next thought I had is like, look, this is coming from the Creator, I call it the universe, and whether I can see exactly how or why right now. This is going to make this the per, the reason the only reason this isn't happening because I I I I am unlucky and this state trooper happened to pull up behind me and so on and so forth. This this is happening. This is directed and this is purposeful, and in some way this is going to make me a better person. Help me in my change process. That again is for the purpose of revealing the best parts of myself. And so that was my thought. That was my thought. Like I don't know exactly what's going to happen. What and so on. But I'm I'm just so excited. And appreciative that the creator has made this happen for me, right? I would not, none of us, I think, wake up in the morning and say, I wish the state trooper was going to pull me over, right? But how is this connected to change? Oh, so this is the point. So, so, but let me finish. I think it's a relatively interesting story. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so he comes, he and most of us have had these interactions. It's actually the first time I've ever been pulled over for speeding, never in my driving I career. I know, because you tend to drive very slow. <laughs> I'm surprised. Or, or, or safely, depending on how you would you want to characterize it. I'm actually surprised. Now I think I'm really surprised you got a speeding ticket. It must because, have been a very slow, yes, was it a 30 mile zone? It was zone? a 45, okay. it, it was a highway with a 45 speed. Never yeah, because you must have been and going I, like 48. I was going 65. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, so, so I roll down the window, and like um, again, what's going on in my mind is I'm just like so happy, right? Because this is happening. This is for the purpose of my change and growth. Do you know why I pulled you over? I said no. I really had no idea. He says, uh, "Do you know what the speed limit here is?" I said, "No, I really don't." He says, "What do you think the speed limit is?" I said, "I guess 55. I'm on a highway." Um, he said, "No, it's 45." And then you know, then the whole process, license, registration, so on and so forth. Anyway, it was like 15, 20 minutes on the side of the road. He gave me a ticket and so on and so forth. But the point is, 15. It took that long to get a ticket. Yeah, he was. He was obviously having. He wasn't in a rush. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't in a rush. Um, <laughs> Um, but the, the the reason I'm sharing that story, it's a small, you know, a, sn- a small annoyance. But the view of it that I had was, I'm not in charge of my change all by myself. There is the light of the Creator, purposefully putting things in my life that are going to help me change in ways that I know and in ways that I don't know. And I think that's important. I think sometimes we'd like to both know and control the changes that we're go- we need to go through. We don't. As sitting here today. Even though this morning, as I began my day, I have a focus on what I want to change, how I want to change, I also accept and not accept, I'm excited about the fact that I actually have a change mentor working with me. That force that loves me, that knows what's best for me. Because you that, trust that everything is set up for your greatest good. Right, right. And that the process of everything is ultimately the purpose. 
And that it's net, but the point is, what I'm saying is that it's necessary. The point is, if we. If you shift this, if everybody shifts their consciousness to this, then they would embrace any speed bump they hit, for sure. And what I would say, I would say more than that, that unless you're actively embracing this thought, it will be more difficult to embrace the life quakes, right? So the, the disturbances. Right. It's like you the, want to train yourself little exactly. ways every day so that when the big things come, you have enough muscle to flex. I think that there's a few things that happen. Um, and fear, I think, plays a big role in this of why we don't change. There's three things. Well, I'll go over two of them. One is that we think that new equals bad. And so I'll give you an example. There was a 2010 study conducted at the University of Arkansas that found that people overwhelmingly found older or more traditional objects or behaviors to be preferable. So Say older or more tra more traditional objects. So they did this like a talking about like furniture. Okay, I'm going to give you an example. So they did a chocolate taste test. One group was told that the chocolate, the company, had been producing the bar for three years. Uh -huh. The other group was told that it was producing the chocolate for seventy three years. Okay. Overwhelmingly, the group that thought the chocolate recipe was 73 years old rated the chocolate much better tasting than the group that thought the recipe was new. So we have a built-in rating system that says new equals bad, which new could be change, right? Because what if the change is worse than what is currently? So I think it's important to kind of... Is that, is that what the study proved? Is that, is yeah, that is. Being aware of this response is a good way that we can stay on track of our habits that we're trying to build. So... Everybody, you remember, you remember the new Coke, the, the whole debacle? Yes, exactly yeah. that. And if you look at the vintage bottles of the Coca-Cola, you're going to get like the authentic and the classic. It just takes you back to okay. that because this chocolate was identical. <laughs> the, the only thing that was different was the information they had about how long the company had been in business. So... And that's why, like, people who try new products and they're open to it because they like change, right? And and but the point is, we can all get there if we understand how important it is. So I thought that was really interesting. So the second the second thing is um, another thing that's in our way is what if the change that we are trying to create is worse than we're at? So I know a couple who is overweight, and um, and every year one person the, the the husband, he decides he wants to lose weight, right? He starts to eat really healthy. He works out. And whenever this happens and he starts to actually show progress and lose weight and he's feeling really good. So their relationship starts to deteriorate because she's feeling like she's going to be left behind. Really? And what if they're different as a couple and that now, you know, he's going to be something else and she's not comfortable with this kind of change. And she's not aware of this, but she's sabotaging for him. And then he goes back to his old habits and he's still overweight. So I think, again, another way that we trip ourselves up is we fear that again, and it's kind of connected to settling, but like, I know this, you know, better the devil you know than the one you don't. I don't mean to cut you off, but one of my favorite, and I do, do recommend looking this up, I think this is an old, old SNL skip, where they, you know, they have, often on TV they show like the amazing couples together, and they, they had, I haven't seen it in many years, but it was called, I believe, Lowered Expectations, and they showed like <laughs> these two like really mismatched couples, how they like, they've all, the couples that settled, right, usually in TV you see like the amazing couples. I do recommend, I, I haven't seen it in years, but I think it would probably still hold up, and actually after this podcast I'll watch it again. Let's watch it together. <laughs> yes. So I think I think our listeners really should stop and say, okay, where is fear or some kind of belief system I have that's making me reject change or and resist think, change? And I would say that it's also related to what we spoke about earlier. Every person who's pursuing change has to make sure that it doesn't harm other people. 
I think that there is that, you know, I think sometimes when we, when we either see a person's change, changing and now, oh, they don't want me in their lives or whatever, that my change can have that negative effect. And what we're saying, if it's, if it's spiritual, if it's real change, if it's change that's really revealing who your beautiful, powerful essence is, can't be hurting for the most part, right? Again, I know there are times, again, for example, there's certain times couples do need to do, it's the right thing for them to get divorced. I'd be very, very mindful of any harm or or negativity that impacts other people while I'm pursuing my own change. I would say 95% of the time, you better make sure that your change only has positive impacts on those who are outside of yourself rather than having any negative impact. And then I, I do want to talk about, because I, I think that change can be uncomfortable, right? But eventually it becomes something that you you seek and you really enjoy if you if you make this a way of life. So a successful life is actually a life of comfortable discomfort, right? Because it's ways that you're actually ultimately when you get to that place of change and growth, you're going to feel really great and happy. And when you were talking earlier about, you know, small ways every day, I do liken change to my workout, right? anybody who's, let's say you have a goal and you're going to the gym. So you start working out and you, you start to sweat. You have a goal. I think that you just enjoy exercising so much. Yeah. The goal is endorphins and, and okay. utter bliss and happiness um, and strength. I mean, so many benefits, right? But so, and, and you start to feel that as your heart rate goes up, as your muscles start to get pumped, you start to sweat, right? You're not in a zone. And when you get to that place, at least for me, I'm like, okay, how can I push harder? And then when I get there, I keep pushing harder. And I do this thing in my mind where I can do anything for X amount of minutes. That's when it gets really, really hard. And then of course you get over that point and you start to feel that high, that euphoria, <laughs> that you're giving me that look. So growth isn't easy, but choosing change over comfort takes courage, resiliency and self-love. And I think that that is what changes. I think that's the gift that you give yourself. And I, again, I think that the word, I wish it had a better connotation, but well, that, I think that's part of what I hope to accomplish today. Today is that, yeah. that our, our listeners will say, not only is change going to happen, I'm going to train myself. And that's so, it's so important. Changes in something. Oh, when, it, when the life quake happens in five years, that's when I'll Embrace change. No, embrace change all the time so that when the life quake happens, you're ready. To, you're not, it doesn't you're even ready, affect you in yeah. the way that it would probably affect somebody right. who never pursues it. And I just want to talk about this. Um, there's two questions I get asked a lot when uh, when I'm asked about change. One, the first one is, what are some ways to create change in small yet profound ways? Because I think also when people are thinking about change, they're thinking about it in these huge kind of, that have to be so hard and, and it's like, you know, climbing a mountain and it's got to be really life-changing, like the life quakes, but not really. If you are able to create change in small ways every day, then you're going to see your whole world is actually Absolutely. going to change. So, and, in, way, and you have to be doing that. I think that's the point. And I think there's a lot of research on this as well, that that if you if you say, I want to become the world's best public speaker, for example. And and that's that's not really, I mean, and, and how, how, do, how do you get there? Well, by probably pushing yourself every single day to have a conversation with somebody for two minutes and so on. The point is that... Or, the, or be very, do it very poorly at first, by right. the way. <laughs> but the ultimate goals will true change. And this is one of the things that, that I think is worth... Because a lot of people spend focusing. a lot of time planning a big change, exactly. right? A lot of energy in the planning and the strategy and the thinking of it. You don't need to think that much about change. You just need just to start pursue to take it. Small steps. Small. Exactly. So in 1995, and I really love this idea because I think it, it's going to tie into change. Um, wolves were reintroduced into Yellowstone Park after years of absence due to hunting. 
A solution was needed to the host of ecological problems presented by a rising elk population. The elk was overgrazing the park to such a degree that various plant species were disappearing and the park was at risk for decertification, among other things. So scientists and ecologists had a sizable problem on their hands. What were they going to do? Well, this is where wolves come in. Not only would they be solving the elk problem, but they would also get a chance to observe what happens when a top predator is introduced into an ecosystem. So this is a small tweak, right? That could potentially provide them with very interesting research opportunities. And it did. The addition of the wolves changed the ecosystem so drastically that it's still being studied 25 years later. This seemingly small change set off a cascade of transformation that included less gazing by elk, the creation of rivers, a teeming population of beavers and the return of certain trees. All of that because 14 wolves were released into a 3,500 square mile radius in the wilderness. Each change we make in our lives reverberates and creates change where we would and could never expect it. And I think that's the point. You really never know what one small change, if you choose that every day, is going to lead to great change. And I know that I can, I'm sure you can test to this as well, that some, if not most, if not all, of the amazing things that happen to us in life are predicated on small changes we started making five years ago, ten years yes. ago. Like I think you often in your lectures use that that concept um, of the of the tabs, right? Mr. Foley. Yeah, Fuller. Right? Yeah. Well, they call him Foley, um, but he created these tabs. I mean, if you're familiar with. Uh, if you're nautically inclined or aerodynamics, they on the plane, it's like a small rudder that's attached to a larger rudder, which a rudder is like a tiny thing that helps things rotate. So what he understood is that if you just had the large rudder, it would actually just clip off and the whole thing would be destroyed. But these small rudders, by making a small, small change, it would move the whole ship or the plane so effortlessly and seemingly. So it's the same way we need to approach right. change, these small little tabs, right. the way to, rotating to, them very ever so slightly. So how, how do you move a big ship slowly? Right. Exactly, exactly. So change by definition means to make the form, nature, content, or future course of something different from what it is or from what it would be if it was left alone. Which it's like, I just love the definition because then it seems quite delicious. It's something you want to approach. You have to be an active participant in change. So first, start small. Whether you want to switch a career, you want to make a new commitment to your health, you want to transition to veganism, you want to climb Mount Kalijimaro, set your vision and think small. And it's the opposite, whatever. Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. If you want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, set your vision and think small. Could be wrong. (laughs) So the point is, ask yourself, what are some small changes you can make today? Which reminds me, I I really enjoyed the story. You know, James Baldwin, the famous writer, activist, somebody once asked him, you know, what do you have to do to be a writer, right? Mm. To become a writer. He says, you need a a desk, a chair, Mm. paper, and pen. And that's the idea that, you know, most people say, oh, give me some amazing ideas of how I'm going to become the most amazing writer. No, start writing. And, you know, over 20 years, you probably have a chance of becoming a great writer. Exactly. And again, I think it has to do with why you're writing and what your intention is. And is it about becoming a great writer? Or is it that you have something to say? But even if it's about becoming a great writer, but that it's can't never be that. happen unless you're no, sitting by a desk. And, and you write a paragraph, a, exactly. you know, or you write a, a yeah. few lines. Actually, in that same book um, that you mentioned earlier, he he tells a story that he did that with his father who was right. was majorly depressed and trying to kill himself i think six times in a matter of 12 weeks and he was not depressed his whole life he had 
been diagnosed with um, Parkinson's, but to get him to change his state, he started by asking him one question a week. And he said that his father was never somebody who wrote, he was more of a doer than, than a thinker. And he would think about this question and then he couldn't use his hands anymore because of the disease. So he would say it into a recorder and he would send his son this. And in the end of this, and, it, and then he'd send him another question the week after. And then the questions got more elaborate. You know, at first they were very basic. And then after about a year or two of this, he had written his own biography, the father who was not a writer. Right. But what did he, he started with a sentence a week. Yeah. And which reminds me, we're going to, if I can say that, what, what am I? You can always say anything yes, you want. I have more you. to add on my list, but go ahead. <laughs> um, he, he he brings there a study, which I think is powerful on many levels, certainly as it relates to change and how we tell our story. And uh, there, there was research done by Marshall Duke uh, from Emory University. And it started because his wife uh, taught children with special needs. And she found that, mm -hmm, that the the children who were the maybe the most important indicator of a child's well being, emotional, right, emotionally stable, I think is said. is if they knew the story of their family right. to de to great detail, who the grandparents were, what they did, and so on and so forth. Well, even how they succeeded, how they failed, they knew the story of where they came exactly. from. Exactly, and what so so hearing this from his wife was also a psychologist. He began re doing research in in this area, and he and he found this to be true that that when people really know their family history and where they came from, it makes them much more uh, much stronger and happier and and. Well, they have healthier. a sense of belonging. I mean, right. we, so and Bruce Bruce Filer uses this example, which I thought again. I think this is a, uh, for, I think many of our listeners, hopefully, a life changing understanding. He said there's three types of stories that families tell. One is the ascension story. You know, we came from nothing and we made it amazing, and now you're here, right? Yeah. Right. This is the descending story, which missing is, some facts there. Yeah. Well, yeah, but 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 that's you know yeah. of course I mean yeah. The, yeah. But, yeah. But the descending story is we were once you know very wealthy and we lost it all, right? That's the descending story, and the most important and the third type of story that families tell is the oscillating story, which is we once were doing really well, then it got really hard, we lost most of what we had, but we made it back, and then or you were president of the bank, and then, and then, and then he, somebody's his family house burned down, and so right, on and so exactly. forth. And he said that the healthiest people, children, are the ones whose family told the oscillating story, mm -hmm. the story that's filled with change. It's not just oh things were terrible, mm -hmm. then they became amazing, mm -hmm. or things were great and they got terrible. That does not that that story does not create a a, a strong child or a strong family. But the oscillate begin the life that is filled with the ups and the downs and the changes and the growth, which I thought was a really yes, really very important, powerful. really important understanding. Sorry, but um, your list. Okay, so that was that. And then the next thing is um, that you should mess up. Allowing yourself to see your progress as imperfect is vital, right? I think often when we pursue change, as soon as something doesn't go as we planned, or it looks like it's going in the wrong direction, we give up. But we are not perfect, and our pursuit for change is going to be imperfect as well. So it's super important right. to be able to mess up and to recognize its value, actually. And it might not even make sense at times, right? But just trust that it's for, like you said, you have a co-creator and change with the creator. And uh, and the third one is get curious. So just starting to do small things and change every day, you're planting seeds. And you should know already that your transformation is starting because you've planted seeds. So just if you were going to grow a tree and you put seeds in the ground, you don't actually see the tree yet, but you know that something is now starting 
right? And it's being created. And then you're going to observe it and you're going to nurture it and you're going to see the transformation that's happening. So this is just really be curious. Notice how one change affects other parts of your life and see what comes from that, right? So let's say for instance, starting small, right? If we go back to the beginning of the list, let's say you wanted to start a business. So you open a bank account, right? Now you're putting money that you're setting aside to start the business. So now that you've put money in the account, you notice that you're actually sleeping better at night, right? Because that worry of you not actually starting your dream or cultivating this or creating change, now you feel like you're taking a step in that direction. So you sleep better. Now that you sleep better, you're actually waking up an hour earlier. Now that you're waking up an hour earlier, you're able to work out in the morning and you're clear, right? So you can see how from one step in the right direction, one step into change, if you're curious and you're watching for all the signs, you're going to see all these other things that come together from it. And that's why often the example of the seed is used that actually what happens when you put the seed in the ground actually has to deteriorate completely before it's able to sprout a tree. So like you said, don't expect change to be an upward, you know, purely upward uh, trajectory. There's going to be the ups and the downs and sometimes... But that's why people stop. They're like, oh, you know, I'm going to try something else. But don't trust that it it is working. And the other question I get a lot is, why is it so important to embrace change right now and to be open to making progress? And in a nutshell, it's because life is happening right now. Life is not happening tomorrow or the next day or a year from now. It's happening in this moment. And one of the most sobering stories um, I can share about this is that a friend of mine, she, um, her mother died recently and it wasn't unexpected because she had heart disease, high blood pressure, she was overweight and doctors warned her repeatedly for many years that if she continued in this way, you know, that this would be the outcome. And of course, her mother, you know, took things seriously. She did. She, over five years, she purchased a stationary bike, a treadmill, a stair stepper, a rowing machine, and an elliptical trainer. She uh, did. Did you use any of them? All of those things. They all gathered dust. The treadmill supported a pile of books and magazines. The um, stair stepper was draped in scarves. And the trunk in the corner of her room was overflowing with exercise DVDs and books on um, weight loss. And, you know, she had the jump ropes and the weights and the bands, everything. In addition to that, she had 15 self-help books on her shelf and she did read all of them. It's not that she didn't desire the change, right? But she didn't lose any weight. And of course, it was painful to see because she had a desire for change, yet um, and she put a lot of time and money into to trying to create that change, but she wasn't successful. So the point is, is that And I think in her mother's mind, because she was taking these steps, right? She bought the machines. She read the books. She was thinking about change a lot. She was thinking about this specific change, but she actually wasn't doing it. I think we can get stuck here. And I I think that's why it's a cautionary tale. I think that you have to really, each one of us has to check ourselves. How much time do we spend thinking about an idea, thinking about how things will change? When we did the happiness podcast, it's when this happens, then that will happen, right? If, when, then. So I think that the same thing can happen with change. We can be so busy with thinking or dreaming about a different life or a different way or how things will be in my life when things do change because we've identified that the thing that will make us happy is if this one thing changes. That's not how we have to approach change. Change has to be something that you work towards and you choose every single day in small ways, mess up, be curious, and then you're you're really actively living the life that you're meant to. And like you said earlier, you're revealing the most beautiful aspects of who you are. And therefore, I think I would say to all of our listeners right now, ask the question, first, how have I changed in the past week, month, 
year. By the way, for good and bad, I think that when we're having this honest conversation, it's a good place to start because you might not identify any positive ones, but can you identify negative ones and then realize, okay, where did I forfeit my free will? When did I not become an active participant in my life? Very important. And second, what am I doing on a consistent basis daily to change in the right ways, in the positive ways, right? Because unless you're doing actively pursuing change with purpose, then like you said, change is going to happen, unfortunately, often, not changing us for the better person. Yes, absolutely. And I actually have, um, I want to share my manifesto on change with you. The first is change is necessary to become your better self. We've covered that one. The second is the more you know who you are, what you love, what you hate, what excites you, what drives you, the closer you are to achieving what you want. Three, be spiritually hungry. Yearn for something more deeper, richer, lasting. No matter how great your life is, there's always another level and something new to discover. Four, continue always to celebrate who you are and where you are in your journey. Live life with joy, do what you love, and success will follow. And five, change requires action, urgent and immediate every day. Exactly. Exactly. So I have a question for you. Oh, I was about to ask mine. (laughs) Okay, you can go first. No, go, go, go. Okay, well. (laughs) What was the hardest thing for you to change within yourself? The hardest. Or what did you work the hardest at changing? Well, there's something I speak about a lot, and I, I can use that example. I was trying to think of something else. So, I, so I'll give you two answers, mm. the price of one. We'll see which one's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> you let our, our our listeners know. I like that. I will. I think this is a running thing. You answer my questions for me. No, I just help you. Yes. <laughs> um, so first, I think I think, and this is something that, that I that I have shared a lot, but. Um, so you're going to answer change about you, your characteristics, or your experience. That was talking about your Be character. very specific with I mean, how you want me to answer this question. <laughs> no, I, well, think, I, think, I think, because I think one is easier for you to answer, and one is more I, difficult. Now, now I'm confused okay, with the question. So let me, like, it's my third time, third attempt. <laughs> what characteristic yes. <laughs> have you worked really hard at changing? Yeah, so it's still the same answer. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, you didn't even answer it yet. So yeah, go. so the point is, um, Growing up, I think like many people, uh, naturally shy. I really enjoyed studying, reading by myself. I did not enjoy neither people, crowds, most importantly, speaking to people or crowds. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I think this is an important understanding. I think for me now and for our listeners that if you really we spoke about earlier, which I think is so fundamental to understanding change, that to reveal the greatness of my soul, I needed to change, and I had to find what is it about me that I feel, believe, needs to change in order for me to be able to reveal that. So, for me, the answer was, well, if you are studying, gaining wisdom, obviously, you need to share it. If you need to share it, that means you have to be able to enjoy being around people, enjoy speaking to people, enjoy teaching. That is something that I pushed, forced myself to actively pursue from the age of, I don't know, 16, 17. Um, And now, you know, these many years later, I would like to think that I am better at teaching, better at speaking uh, with people, better at being with people. Uh, and for me, but the the purpose behind that was this understanding that, like I said, I really believe that I have an amazing soul, and I have great light and wisdom to reveal in this world. And what are the innate nature that I was born with that I need to remove in order to allow me to, to reveal that? 
Right. And then you still do, do you enjoy. Like my answer? Is it okay? I accept it. Yes. Um, <laughs> and you still do enjoy reading, having oh, time absolutely. alone. I mean, that's, and I think that's a good point, though, because it doesn't mean that you don't still enjoy those things. However, you're constantly pushing yourself to reveal even greater parts of yourself because you see how that's, how, because I often think about this. If you didn't push yourself in that way, how many people would have never learned from yeah. what you've learned, right? right? From your wisdom. You're also very funny and you're very empathetic and you're a great listener. And, and people would not- questions well? <laughs> not so much. <laughs> I'm giving you a compliment and now you're fishing for more. I'll just stop. You finished yes, my compliment. Yes, yes. Um, how many people would not have experienced that if you if you never grew that part of yourself? Absolutely. So that's a perfect example of why change is you know, necessary. Right, right. And I was going to say the second answer, and I think this is something as well that um, good for me and probably for many of our listeners, is not to own the titles we give ourselves. What do I mean? For example, you know, the story that I, if I tell the story of myself, is that, you know, I'm a teacher in some ways, I'm, I'm a writer, I, and those are important things to me, right? But in my mind, pursuing change is the excitement of knowing that next year, five years from now, the core is like Jim Collins said, the core is going to stay the same, but I don't know exactly how it's going to be manifesting. And that's really exciting to me. I try not to buy into the story of who I am today in, in such a way that I want to keep, that's how who I want to stay tomorrow and next year and five years from now. I have to assume that in five years from now, the core is going to be the same, but but the external expression of it is going to be so different in so many exciting and new ways. Unrecognizable. And I'm excited, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. Exactly. So the question to you is, to I make them easier. A change you went through recently. Well, of course, that should have been 12 months ago, I guess. Let me think. Change I went through recently. It could be small. I like small ones. Did you think? See, I, I like your help. Actually, you want me to help you? Sure. <laughs> My best friend always does this. I I tend to forget the the smaller things, and she's like, "Monica, remember that time?" And I was like, oh, "I don't remember it was that story." Recent. I'm trying to remember the story, uh, the situation. It was with one of our kids, and you did something, and then you came to me and you said, "You know, I realize." that this is not something, a behavior that I want to have. And I do that all the time with yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. I mean, I mean those, those mm-hmm. both aware, that awareness and those times and you choose to behave different, right? To behave, you know, because I think... I mean, I think that's the point. I, I, and I'm not saying this to make myself sound any which way, but I'm, I'm constantly having that dialogue with myself, right? right? And with I, me, I really am. Um, in, especially in the... I mean, I I play hard, I live hard, I, I do everything to the fullest that I can. It's just my personality, right? Like a workout's not going to just be one. It's going to be until I have like I'm done, right? And so, as a mother, as a wife, as a teacher, like I'm always saying, okay, you know, what could I have done differently? Um, how could I have done it better? Uh, and I'm, I'm having that dialogue, that conversation, that emotional feedback with myself quite consistently. So. And I think that's an important point. And maybe that's why I can't think of one, because I think it's actually just the way I live my life now. You know, it's constant, like everything's changing. I don't even, I mean, like I have a schedule for today, but it, it might not happen and something else might happen instead. And I've really learned to appreciate actually, that. Actually, just last night, uh, I remember another one where we were talking about, again, people that we know, and you were you were talking about your relationship with them. Mm-hmm. 
And then you said, okay, I need to re- reframe it. Oh, yeah. And I think, and again, I, th- I think, like you said, I think it happens very often. Yeah, no, I, I think, by the way, I think we have these conversations at least twice a day. Or right, right. And I think, yeah. And I think, again, for our listeners, I think we're being, being a little... A little vague, I know. We're not giving specific but I think, But I think with that one last night, I think it's a really good one because um, it, it's a relationship I've had for many, many years. And in my approach to it, I just had a realization last night, like, oh... You know, what is it really? You know, maybe if I approach it this way or I think about it that way. Your, your question, not to big you up, but, you know, how can I invest more? Better in, in Better, in better and more in this relationship. Yeah. How do I re- need to reframe it for myself? In my mind, exactly. in order to do that. Yeah. So I'm constantly having that because I, I also don't believe that you go through life um, kind of enjoying or not really understanding the purpose and meaning. I think in everything I do, I want to know why am I doing this? What is it serving? Who is it for? And how can and how I do it be, better? How do I change to be doing it better? Exactly. And I really do have that conversation daily. Um, thank God. I hope I always do. So yeah, um, I would love to, we got such two beautiful letters uh, this week. Do you want me to share one with you and you can read one and I'll read one? I think we're a little bit uh, short on time, so we'll share one this week. All right, listeners, uh, Michael has shortchanged you (laughs) and I will only read one letter. And by the way, please continue to send your letters, questions, stories to Monica and Michael at Kabbalah.com and we'll hopefully have the opportunity to share more and more uh, of them with all of the rest of our listeners. So here it goes. I had a spiritually hungry experience that I wanted to share with you both. First, I have to explain that I hate and avoid at all costs driving in the city, New York City. I've lived in Westchester for 14 years and I've always either taken the train or an Uber every single time. I have to go to Manhattan for any reason. Those are expensive Ubers. (laughs) I didn't really understand why. I just always got to the city some way and that didn't involve driving. Now COVID sets in and I won't take public transportation or Ubers. So on this particular day last week, if I wanted to go to the meeting that takes place in Manhattan, I had no other choice but to drive myself. As I'm driving along Highway 95, I feel panic every time a big truck comes anywhere near me. All of a sudden, traffic starts to slow down as morning rush hour sets in. Being the spiritual student that I am, I decided to listen to your advice that you gave on Rosh Hashanah, that if you're stuck in traffic, think of it as a gift and use that time to listen to Spiritually Hungry Podcast. I turned on my podcast app and randomly picked a Spiritually Hungry Podcast without looking at my selection. Within minutes, my car is full of the voices I love to hear to get inspired. Oh, thanks. This one is podcast number nine on happiness. As I'm listening, I notice how my body's lurched forward as I'm driving and my hands clutching the steering wheel. Every time a truck goes by, my blood pressure goes up another notch. I realize that my belief system is that the purpose of all these tractor trailers is not to deliver products, but their main function is to run me off the road (laughs) and destroy me. (laughs) With every truck that passes, my stomach gets more and more anxious. All this is going on while I'm listening to the two of you discuss the concept of happiness. At that moment, like a light bulb going off, I realized the contradiction of my life versus what I'm listening to on the podcast. I said to myself, stop. Are you happy right in this minute? No, you're living in fear, pure panic. This is not the joy and happiness that you say you want to live. At that exact moment, while I'm listening to the two of you, I realized that right now in the middle of your podcast, I can choose to either live in panic while driving or enjoy it and realize that my fear is irrational. Proctor and Gamble did not load up trucks this morning with thousands of dollars of goods for the purpose of running me off the road. With this new realization, I enjoyed the ride all the way in. 
Even more so since I overcame my fears. I felt elated. I simply made a choice to choose happy over fear, just like that. I decided that I wanted to send you a letter to tell you how your podcast helped me overcome my fears because I listened to it in real lifetime while I was having the experience. But wait, there's more. She's really spunky and cute. I wanted to send you a letter, but I didn't have time to compose it. So last Sunday, I was driving to visit my son in college, and I thought I'll take my thoughts and transcribe it when I get home. So I have a two hour drive in front of me and realizing that I'm enjoying this drive now. I'm feeling happy. And as I'm getting my thoughts on record, when all of a sudden I realized that I gave both my children my criteria for their college selection, that it could not be further than a two hour drive. I realized that I made them choose their college unknowingly because of my fear of driving. That's powerful. I realized at that moment how much of my life and my children's are wrapped in my fears. I realized how ridiculous to let my fears have such an impact on their whole lives. Michael and Monica, I'm glad that I chose to listen to the Spiritually Hungry podcast that day. Michael, you jokingly said on Rosh Hashanah that when you're stuck in traffic, listen to the podcast. But in that statement, you changed the direction of not only my life, but of my children. So thank you so deeply for the life lessons. And guess what podcast I'm listening to next? Overcoming fears. <laughs> Yet I'm so happy I'm not ruled by irrational fears and I'm looking forward to a great year for myself and for the world. Tons of love. Thank you so much. Really, like, I, like we say this, but I really mean it, that when we receive letters like this or people tell us or in all ways that you share with us, um, the impact that Spiritually Hungry is having, the positive impact that it's having on your life, it really inspires us. And that's really why we do this. Besides, again, I do really enjoy having conversations with Monica. Um, but we, we do this because of hopefully the impact, the positive impact that it has on our listeners. So please, Make sure to keep sending questions, stories to Monica and Michael at Kabbalah.com. Go to Apple Podcasts, rate it, write a review, share it with all of your friends so that this hopefully inspiring wisdom can get to more and more people. And as I always say, I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. And remember, change requires urgent and immediate action. So get to it and have fun. Bye. Bye.